The 2020 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference is sold out. If you want to be placed on a waiting list, send an email to lynn at issuesetc.org. Well, it is primary day here in Illinois, where this studio sits. One of the people who is looking and eyeing their political future is Representative Dan Lipinski. He happens to be one of the very rare pro-life Democrats. What kind of a challenge might he and other pro-life Democrat lawmakers face, both in state races and other down-ticket races as it appears the Democratic Party is trying to purge pro-life opinions, not only from its elected officials, but anybody who wants to be one of its elected officials, certainly its leadership. We're going to talk about primary challenges to pro-life Democrats. Kristen Day joins us. She's executive director of Democrats for Life of America and author of a column for The Federalist titled Abortion Extremists Target Pro-Life House Democrats. Kristen, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me on today. Tell us about Illinois Representative Dan Lipinski and the election challenges he faces. Yeah, so Dan is just such a great, solid Democrat, endorsed by labor. Teachers love him. You know, he's uh, environment. He has a great record. And he's he has a pretty solid Democratic voting record as well. But unfortunately, the party and uh, the abortion activists have decided that they want to eliminate the pro-life voice within the party and have really targeted Dan for a second a second election in a row. It's just, it's very discouraging to see these abortion activists go after such a great Democrat. Why has the Democratic Party adopted this extreme abortion absolutism? The abortion lobby has really been able to raise a lot of money and really get control over the party. And they have their people way up in high places and are really controlling the message that comes out of the DNC. And, you know, unfortunately, trying to silence this pro-life voice within the party. But it all really comes all down to money. So, in other words, the Democratic Party and leadership fear that if they do not push Planned Parenthood's line of thinking and action here, that that money will go elsewhere? Yeah, I don't know where the money would go, so I don't understand why they're so fearful of it and why they really are carrying the water for this very anti-woman approach to um, reproductive rights for women. You know, when you're telling women that abortion is the best choice for them and they shouldn't look for ways to ask for their employers for paid leave or accommodations in the workforce or looking for ways to help women balance motherhood and work and instead saying you can't do that, you should just abort if you want to keep your job, is a very anti-woman position. Does abortion extremism represent the views of Democratic voters? Not at all. You know, I'm here in Chicago, and we are canvassing Dan Lipinski's district. We have been for the last couple of days. And we're going around and asking three questions. One, do you support taxpayer funding of abortion? Number two, do you think that babies who survive abortion should be required to receive health care? Should we require doctors to provide health care to these babies? And the third question was about late-term abortions. Do you support restrictions after five months of pregnancy? And the answers we're getting are pretty consistent with a more moderate position on abortion. Very few people answered the question in the affirmative. Look, we want taxpayer funding of abortion. We're okay with late-term abortions, and babies who survive abortion shouldn't receive health care. So those, the people who answered that 
maybe I have one or two. The rest of them really do support reasonable regulation of abortion, and this is a solid Democratic area. So, you know, it just the, the Democratic Party is really out of touch with mainstream America on this issue. How do you explain the efforts of Democratic Party leaders to essentially purge the party of pro-lifers? I don't understand why they're doing it and why they think this is a positive thing, especially when you're looking at the presidential race. No Democrat who supports abortion is going to be able to carry any of the southern states or even you know states like Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, either. When you look at where a majority of people stand, Barack Obama was able to win because he was talking about the need to look for ways to reduce abortion. But now all the candidates, all the candidates who are running for president were basically saying that abortion is a human right for, for women or we want to use taxpayers' money to pay for abortions. And I didn't see anyone really talking about providing more support and giving women real choice to carry that pregnancy to term. Is this purge then now, I take it, being directed at down-ticket Democratic office holders? You know, we have seen some of that, yes, in Rhode Island, for example. You know, I guess it started really in Nebraska with Heath Mello. He was running for a mayor, mayoral race in Omaha. And that, if you remember, Bernie Sanders endorsed him. NARAL Planned Parenthood people went crazy, and they went to Omaha and just pressured Heath Mello. Unbelievable pressure in his district. And they didn't represent the people there. They just brought their views into the district. And um, he caved, and he said, well, he's pro-life, but he's not going to vote that way. In a mayoral race, I mean, as mayor, you don't really have that many abortion laws that you're going to be dealing with. But anyway, he caved, and he ended up losing when he was slated to win. And they also put so much pressure on Bernie Sanders. Well, he now has switched his position on supporting pro-life candidates as well. He won't support any pro-life candidates. And in fact, said that you have to support abortion to be a Democrat. You recently had an exchange with former presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg at a town hall forum. Buttigieg essentially dodged your question about whether or not he wanted the pro-life Democrat vote. What did that tell you, Kristen? That was extremely frustrating because I had hope, and I know a lot of our people, they were they liked Buttigieg. They thought, okay, he's from Indiana. He's got to understand the importance of the pro-life vote. And I actually had reached out to his campaign. We were supposed to talk. We were supposed to meet, and those meetings always got canceled. But I actually told the campaign manager that I was going to be there in Des Moines, and can we talk before the town hall? And he said, let me check my schedule, and we never had that opportunity. But, I mean, I really thought that because I had been talking to the campaign and, you know, saying I thought that they would understand the importance of the pro-life vote. So I was really shocked about his just doubling down on his, his support for abortion and, you know, looking directly at me and saying, well, I'm a man and I'll never have to make that decision. And I was just thinking to myself, well, I'm a woman. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, you should trust me on this and in my position since you, you don't have to make that decision. <laughs> but I would. You say... Requiring, quote-unquote, real Democrats to endorse a policy supported by only 15% of the population is not only a disservice to the deeply held beliefs of millions of Americans, it's a recipe for electoral disaster. What do you mean by that, Kristen? Yeah, we've seen this time and time again. When people run, the, the Democratic Party has not seen the effects of this. They, they don't understand, even though time and time again these reports come out saying, that the abortion issue, extremism on this issue, hurts the party. You know, John Kerry lost 
and after that, he said that he should have not taken such a stringent position on abortion. You know, and we see Tom Daschle. He was pretty moderate on abortion, but he was a victim of the abortion extremism as well. People were canvassing in his district when he lost his Senate seat, and they were labor, working men and women who were concerned about losing their health care, but they could not vote for him because he was part of a party who supported abortion. And so we see this time and time again that this issue can flip and especially in a presidential race, when the party has really taken up the abortion issue to an extreme, it's going to be really hard to win some states that have real concerns about defending late-term abortion and voting against legislation to require a doctor to perform health care to a baby who survives an abortion. When, uh, when you talk about that disservice to millions of Americans, those who are planning on voting Democratic, you have your finger on the pulse of pro-life Democrats. Are they likely simply to sit it out or perhaps even cross lines to vote for a Republican if the Democratic Party gives them no option in their local and larger elections? Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of Democrats will sit out this election. If Joe Biden continues this abortion extremism position, the platform has, is extreme on excluding pro-life Democrats from the party. I foresee a lot of pro-life Democrats sitting out this election. In fact, one of our state chapters is considering starting a pro-life pause campaign, saying that pro-life Democrats should not vote in the presidential race. They should vote in the other races, but not the presidential race, to send a message to Washington that our vote can't be taken for granted anymore. And we're just disgusted with the extremism of the position and the exclusion of the party that's supposed to be the party of diversity and inclusion. How likely are election losses to, for the Democrats to change the mind of the current Democratic Party leadership? You know, I think we need new leadership at this point. I think the current leadership is unwilling to listen and unwilling to understand the importance of the pro-life vote. I mean, Tom Perez told me to my face that he welcomes people into the party as long as they don't vote that way. So you can be a pro-life Democrat, but you can't vote that way. And that is just short-sighted and wrong. And if you believe that life begins at conception and that life is worthy of protection, how can you vote for a bill that says that a baby who survives abortion cannot receive health care? It's just counter to everything that you believe. So, yes, I think we definitely need new leadership that has a better understanding of the importance of what diversity and inclusion really means. Because the pro-life Democrats have been silenced for too long. And we've been good soldiers for the party. We've been voting Democrat. We've been working on, on Democratic campaigns. And, you know, we shouldn't have to fight to have a seat at the table. The big tent should be open to us. And we should be able to vote our conscience and support candidates who, who are pro-life. Kristen Day is executive director of Democrats for Life of America. She is author of a column for the Federalist titled Abortion Extremist Target Pro-Life House Democrats. You'll find a link to this column and to Democrats for Life at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Kristen, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. We will be discussing a very apropos prayer service, an old one, in fact, called The Litany with Pastor David Peterson, departmental editor of Goddess Saints, the Journal of Lutheran Liturgy, next. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for March is for children ages four through seven. 
See My Savior's Hands is written by Issues Etc. regular guest, Pastor Will Whedon. Learn more about See My Savior's Hands at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. See how Jesus' hands tell the story of his life, death, resurrection, and love for us in See My Savior's Hands, a great Easter gift for young children, grandchildren, and godchildren. See My Savior's Hands. Concordia University Chicago is a distinctive, comprehensive university of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. We're committed to increasing LCMS faculty and staff members. Hi, this is Dr. Russell Don, President of Concordia University Chicago. If you're a member of our Lutheran Church Missouri Synod congregation, please consider joining our staff. And if you have a terminal degree, please consider joining our faculty. Send us an email at human.resources at cuchicago.edu. St. Mark Lutheran Church in Waco, Texas is proud to support issues, etc. Join us for worship and Bible study. If you're in Waco for business, college, traveling through the city, looking for a great place to retire, or searching for a church to receive Jesus' love and forgiveness, then visit St. Mark, a century-old Christ-centered Lutheran congregation in the heart of Waco, very near the silos. The Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Visit us at stmarkwaco.com. In 1939, the British Army received an Enigma machine that helped them crack the secret Nazi codes in World War II. In the March issue of The Lutheran Witness, the Reverend Sam Schultheitz writes about the Screwtape Letters, a book written by C.S. Lewis, a type of Enigma machine for deciphering the temptations of Satan. Read the March issue of The Lutheran Witness to learn more about the Screwtape Letters and how Satan tempts us today. Visit cph.org witness to subscribe. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the contemporary world from a Lutheran perspective. cph.org witness. Listen to what you want, when you want. You're listening to Issues Etc. We Lutherans, we're never aided by following along with some other tradition's theological priorities and catchphrases. Issues Etc. regular guest, Pastor Heath Curtis, coordinator for stewardship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod on a Lutheran approach to stewardship. Other folks are not approaching it from our good, solid Lutheran understanding of law and gospel and vocation. There's a place to talk about this in Christianity, and we have a way of talking about stewardship as Lutherans without ever using the word stewardship, if you like. I'm going to talk to you today about your vocation in your home, in your church, in your society, and how each one of these makes a claim on you, on your presence, on your support, on your prayers— That's how we should talk about this as Lutherans. You'll find several stewardship resources at lcms.org slash stewardship, lcms.org slash stewardship.